And what happened was this is uh, his best friend overdosed and died, mm. you know, on the oxys. And, you know, then the, that night he went out and, and, and he took a bunch and, 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 and he, he was dead for uh, my son was dead. They found him in a tub and they had to like revive him mm. and it scared him. But it didn't scare him enough to completely get off. He says, well, I'm just not going right. to do that anymore. Right. And this guy says, well, you should do this. It's safer. Now, just think about that logic. Heroin is safer. Don't Hide the Scars, a weekly podcast focused on addiction and recovery. Created by the nonprofit Pain, parents and addicts in need, and founded by Flint Anderson. Thomas Buckley, author of Grace and Golf. Thank you for joining the founder of Parents and Addicts in Need, Flynn Anderson, and myself, Jason Lachance, on Don't Hide the Scars. Jason. Hello, Thomas. Flynn, <laughs> very nice to, to meet you guys and great to be with you and uh, just, you know, talk about some recovery. And, you know, if we get to that other subject, then we will, you know. <laughs> That's perfect. <laughs> uh, you know, in reviewing the book, uh, do you prefer Thomas or Tom? I forgot to ask you. You know what? I, I I was Tom and Tommy my whole life. And then, I don't know, maybe 25 years ago, uh, I became Thomas. People just started calling me Thomas. And I said, okay, well, and like, literally, <laughs> I was like, somebody told me there's no Tom in the Bible, only Thomas. I was like, all right, fine, I'm Thomas. Just call me Thomas. <laughs> all right, Thomas it is. There you go. Uh, one of the really compelling things, because here at Parents and Acts in Need, and especially Flint with his work and his uh, um, treatment center, New Perceptions North, a um, lot of lot of young folks that were trying to get through. And you were 19 when you entered rehab. And you know what? And I'm not going to tell you how I walked uphill in the snow both ways, you know, uh, when I was that age. But literally in 1979, there just wasn't a lot of 19 year old kids. And like when I went into treatment, there, were, there was a there was a kid. There is a funny story. Who, who kind of broke my image that I was too young to be going to treatment. I mean, this kid was like four foot nothing, weighed about 80 pounds, blonde haired, blue eyed. And he looked at me when I checked into this place and he looks at me and goes, first time? I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, how old are you? Right. <laughs> and, you know, and the kid was 12 years old and it was his third trip. You see, his dad was like my dad. He was a recovering alcoholic. And his dad didn't want him going down that path. And so long and short of it is, I mean, that was like an exception. But most of the guys in this treatment center in Minnesota were, you know, in their 30s, 40s and 50s. Right. And um, it kind of fed my own illusion that I was too young mm. that I hadn't gone down far enough. Right. Mm -hmm. And um, it wasn't until I got out and I started getting involved with some, you know, some other people that a guy told me, pulled me aside one time and he said, look, it doesn't have to get any worse than this. You know, maybe you were spared. Maybe you can have a life that like a lot of these old guys dream about because you got it early. And, um, but it took me like getting through treatment and then going back out on three different occasions in the first year and a half, I went back out three times. And, you know, being a baseball player, when I grew up, I was like, man, three strikes, you're out. And I was like, I, I can't stop. I can, well, I can stop. I can't stay stopped. Right. And it's like, maybe I need help. And, and that was like in January of 81, where it's like, all right, I give up. Like, I really give up. Mm -hmm. yeah. So that sweet surrender. Yeah, that, that sweet surrender. I was a little more stubborn. <laughs> 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 that that makes a lot of sense, doesn't it? Uh, yeah. Um, you know, it's it's interesting. When I went to my fourth treatment center was Betty Ford in 2001. And um, I, I remember we had three young guys in there, all in that 19, 20 year old age. Um, and they were all from the East Coast. And this was all there. It's funny you say that because it was all their second, third, maybe fourth time, you know, in a in a treatment facility. Um and, you know, I, I wonder today, you know, did they make it? Because obviously I have didn't, never stayed in touch with them. You know, did they make it? Are they still alive? Because uh, they were opioid addicts like myself. So I I, I just, you know, that was the, the, the you know, kind of the 
I don't want to say the intro to OxyContin, but we were we were already getting into that into that era with Oxy. And and in fact, where I'm standing there, and you know, I'm taking at that point, Jason knows this, I was taking between 70 and 80 Vicodin every day. And when I'm when I'm standing down there, this kid from Boston came up to this 19-year-old and and he said, What's your drug of choice? And I go, Well, Vicodin, you know, and he goes, Oh, mine, mine's Oxy. I go, What the hell's that? You know, I mean, I hadn't even heard of it yet. Right. And he tells right, and he tells me what it is, and I my my first response was, my God, I I I wouldn't be alive. You know, that's a fact. I mean, you know what? Some of this stuff that I mean, look, my my son became addicted to oxy and then heroin, and um, had that been like available back when I was like that age, yeah. you, you're right. I mean, you'd probably be talking to somebody else right now, right. And, and I don't say that to be dramatic. No. I just say that because I know my personality, right? And right. there was a there was a word that uh, to this day sometimes I can't even stand it. That word is enough. Mm-hmm. You know, I never have enough anything. Anything. I, I mean, look, it, just look. Ask my bride. Okay. <laughs> I, mean, I probably have. 50 pullovers from different courses in the world. I probably got a hundred <laughs> golf shirts. It's like, I'm always trying to fill the void with something. And you know what? The stuff, the stuff never fills it. And like back when I was using and drinking there, I, I never like stopped. Cause like right. there was, Oh no, I've, I've had enough. I'm starting to feel it. I'm like, no, I'm starting right. to feel it. Exactly. Go more, you know? Mm-hmm. And yep. I just, I didn't hang around with anybody that did anything socially. Right. Because I, you know, they were boring to me. It's like, why would I hang out with that guy? It's like, tell you, he's a loser. He's a boring. And it's like, I want to do things to oblivion. Yes. Yeah. Because look, if you would have seen my life when I was 12, you would have thought, okay, this kid looks pretty normal. I mean, excelled at sports. I like was doing well in, in golf tournaments. I was on the all-star team in baseball. I did really well in school. You think kind of a normal kid, but like under the surface, I was convinced I was a like like Judd Nelson in the Breakfast Club. No good, freeload, loser, son of a, you know, that's that was my my self-perception. I was never gonna be good enough. I was never gonna be lovable. And so it's like I did drugs for oblivion because I don't like the way I felt. I I did it to feel different, you know, to just be gone. And okay, well, you know, go ahead. No, no, no. I was just, I was going to say, thank you for joining us. We just covered both sides of the story here. And <laughs> I mean, God, you're saying, you're saying that and it just, and it's, it's me in, in the mirror, you know, um, again, excelled in music, excelled in baseball, excelled in basketball. Um, uh, yeah, I didn't start playing golf till I was in my, in my mid twenties, but, um, but never quite good enough. You know, I, I had a dad that was just an unbelievable vocalist, unbelievable. And, 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 you know, people would say, oh God, you're Paul son. You're going to be it. No, fuck. I, I, I'm sorry. I'm not going to be able to be him. Okay. You know, but, but yeah, I get, I get that. And mine was the same. And I, and I also think Thomas, I think we have this, your personality sounds like mine where, where it's balls to the wall, 24 seven. Um, uh, you know, we're going to jump right in the middle of whatever I was in the process serving business. I'd walk into situations. I just didn't care. I loved the excitement. Yep. I loved the thrill. Am I going to make it out? Am I not? I mean, I think that all comes into play with us too a lot. Oh yeah. It's like, you know, anyone that knows me, it's like, I have two speeds. 900 and stop, <laughs> you know, it's like, I, I don't, it's like, and, and like I, I referenced in, in, in my book, it's like life is not a dress rehearsal. I mean, look, it was different when I was out there. Yeah. I was going gangbusters all the time. And now I do it for a different reason. I'm actually trying to accomplish stuff now and like do something with the time that's been like given to me as an unbelievable gift. Right. right. And, but it's like I, I go to places and my friends are like, is that decaf? <laughs> <laughs> you know, they don't like to see me. And it's like I, I remember I was in college and I and I was already like clean by then. And I and I did a little thing in the in the campus ministry. And um the priest and the people up there are like, man, I can't even believe you. Like you were like 
endless energy. I was like, yeah, you should have seen me when I was taking speed. And he just looked at me and goes, nobody would have seen you on speed. <laughs> okay, fair enough. But yeah. New Perceptions North, the premier drug and alcohol treatment and recovery center in Central California. A full continuum of medically supervised top quality care with programs for detox, inpatient residential treatment with dual diagnosis, intensive outpatient treatment, sober living, support groups, and more. With 50 plus years of combined experience and sobriety, Flint Anderson and Thelma Gatlin Wilson provide adult men and women with the highest caliber of professional health care, treating each client with compassion and respect in a safe, comfortable environment to begin the process of recovery to proudly create and sustain a life without addiction, call 559-978-1507 or visit newperceptionsnorth.com. I played obviously this weekend with with all my buddies, right? And 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 we're sitting and I'm a Mountain Dew fanatic. So there's there's the caffeine to begin with, right? right. Uh, and, but but every every after every round, because everybody else drinks, I don't. And, and, and they got my back. You know, I got theirs in case they need rides home or whatever. But I will order a double espresso followed by the Mountain Dew. Right. And every and every weekend, these guys are, are going, are, are you just nuts? OK, are you know, how, how are I, I go? Hey, it's just it's just me. You know, that's that's what I do. I got to have I got to have the rush. Yeah. I, I look, I'm with you. I, I, I've, I've, I've tried to just say, look, I have my coffee in the morning and it's like one cup, maybe two. And then I'm done because, because I have so much natural, just kind of energy. If I have more than two cups of coffee, I'm just like, forget it. Like I'm j- I get jittery. Right. And, um, you know, I, I heard a guy one time, uh, describe enthusiasm, you know, and the, the rush I used to get, now I get it from God. Enthusiasm yeah. comes from the Greek and, and, and not like my big fat Greek wedding where everything came from right. the Greek. Really, it's like en theos, en, in, within, theos, mm-hmm. God. Mm-hmm. You know, and if you know people that are like, that aren't on the stuff that have great enthusiasm, there's, you know, my experience is like, there's some cause and effect there. And it's like, yeah. now I get the juice, you know, and it's like people that know me, I quote movies a lot. It's like that scene in the Italian job where, where the Seth Green is on the, the thing at the end of the movie and he realizes they don't have 2.3 million, they got $23 million. Worth that's, of gold. that's right. He right. screams. He's like, got the Holy Spirit. It's a good train. <laughs> that's <laughs> right. I remember that scene. It's <laughs> <laughs> uh, a great scene. Uh, it, now I'm a movie snob, Thomas. That is the remake of the Italian job, just to clarify for people. That's it. Okay. Well, fair enough. Steve <laughs> <laughs> McQueen, was that right? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And I did like they kept the uh, the Mini Coopers. That was pretty cool. They paid homage there. Same kind of yep. cars made it pretty cool. Right. It was that was pretty cool for sure. You said something really interesting though. If you don't mind, and it's okay to talk about your son moved from oxy to heroin. That prompted me to was it a situation maybe where he was doctor shopping? Things tightened up because we saw that with so many people that went from oxy to heroin because. They weren't getting the supply anymore. Well, cheaper, cheaper. He, yeah, I, I think he was he was taking the oxy for a while, and um, and what happened was this is uh, his best friend overdosed and died. Mm. You know, on the oxys, and you know. Then the, that night he went out and, and, and he took a bunch and, the, and, and, and he, he was dead for uh, my son was dead. They found him in a tub and they had to like revive him mm-hmm. and it scared him, but it didn't scare him enough to completely get off. He says, well, I'm just not going right. to do that anymore. Right. And this guy says, well, you should do this. It's safer. Now just think about that logic. Heroin is safer. Right. It's like, and you know what? He was, you know, at the time he was like 16 years, 17 years old. And it's like, he just didn't know any better. And, and, you know, it didn't matter like that I had been trying to help him for many years. You know, he, uh, he had to find his own way. And, and so it wasn't really a matter of like not being able to get it. It's like, he got scared 
from his best friend dying and him almost dying. And so he, he, he went over to, to the heroin and he was on that for probably three years. And I mean, it was, it was really hard. Uh, I, I mean, I, I, you know, I pray for him. I pray for him every day. And, um, and something I realized after five years, five years, five years of, of praying and trying to help other people and, and just do what I do. It's like, all right, what, what is it? Do I need to help more people? What do I need? And it's like, I realized God was not like, you know, he wasn't healing my son. Okay. Right. He was healing right. me. Right. So when my son was available, it's like, I had a guy tell me one time, he said, look, you got to love the kid you got. Not the one that you wanted that went to like Harvard and is a successful business guy. You got to love the kid you got, right. you know, and him telling me that helped me do that better than I would have otherwise. And so, you know, fast forward a few years, my son comes to me, and says, dad, I need help. You know, and now, you know, he's like, wow, next week he'll have six years clean. Nice. nice. You know, so it's like a real, I mean, it's like a real testimony. It's like, you just gotta, you gotta trust, you know, and, and, you know, I spent a lot of time praying for one thing and it wasn't until like, well, and you probably, you you probably know this, like you got to make surrenders. It's a sweet surrender. I, I, I finally made a prayer when I was like, all right, God, you know what? If, if, if your if your will is for my son to die, then you know what? Let it be done according to your will. And I'm not saying I want my kid to die, God. That's not, that's not what I'm saying. I said, but if that's your will, I believe in you. And I believe some good will come from that thing. So just let it be done according to your will. And it was amazing because within a month of me praying like that, that's when my son called me and said, I need help. Yeah. You know, it's, it's a surrender. It's the hardest thing in the world. And you know, it's the hardest thing in the world to say, I give up. Right. Yeah. You know, because wow. we can control it. We can, we can do it. But all day the, long, we can do it. It's the big lie, right? Yeah. Yeah. You said something earlier, though, too, that really struck a chord with me because, you, you know, I, I think I've, I've known, known this for a while, but, you know, what that, that was God sparing me, uh, even moving into the Oxycontin side of this deal. Sure. You know, because because I like I said, I, I, I would have never made it out um, just just never because, Thomas, I don't know if you know this, but I've had 35 surgeries in the course of my life. And and it started with one a year from the time I was born to the time I was 13. Then I've had four more in 76 and then I've had like 22 since then. I can't even keep count anymore. Um, but my opioid receptors were so screwed up you know, that I kept moving just from one stronger opioid to another, to another, to another. And if, if fentanyl would have been around, well, I, I just definitely wouldn't, wouldn't be sitting here, you know, not at all. Well, and just because I never went down that path to that level. I mean, I did a lot of, I did a lot of cocaine. Sure. Right? Um, but ha having watched my son go through it, it's like, you just learn as much as you can about this stuff. And it's like, those opioids, the way they attach themselves to the brain, it's just very different than anything else, alcohol, any other drug. It's just like right. it, it hits that receptor and then now you just crave it. And it, like getting off of it, watching my son get off it, it was brutal. Oh, yeah. Oh, and all yeah. the dope sickness. And it's just like, yeah. So, I mean. Well, and that's what people today, you know, People today, and especially the powers that be, we're doing. A, we're we're in a big wrestling match with with our state assembly here in, in in Sacramento, and we were up there last week, and we were presenting another bill, and 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 the things that these people were saying up there, they first of all, they're never going to put somebody in jail for uh, for selling somebody fentanyl. It's just it's at least in the state of California, it is not going to happen. Okay, just not going to. But even worse, as I'm listening to every one of these assembly people speak, they don't understand, and I mean this, anything about addiction, nothing about addiction. They don't under, understand anything about treatment. They don't understand anything about recovery. One state assemblyman, simply, and, he, and this is almost verbatim, he said, I just simply can't believe that every drug dealer is going to lace every pill with fentanyl. And, I'm, and I wanted to stand up and say, how far just up your butt is your head? You know, I, I mean, and then again, they're talking well, about the system. Are you on? 
What planet are you on? The, the, we're talking about the system. We're talking about the, 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 the governmental run facilities. That system is so broken right now. They don't even, they don't even take, pick up their phone after five o'clock in the evening. It, 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 it's such a disaster. I mean, we're never going to quit. We're always going to fight. We're always going to keep presenting bills. But I'll tell you what, my friend, it, it, it's getting to the point where um, it, it, it's so enormously frustrating that the death toll is going to rise even more before it gets even better. Yeah. Well, I, I was just thinking that very thing. It's like, how many people have to die yeah. before the head comes out of the sand? I mean, it's just, it's an epidemic. You know, I mean, my, my, my bride, she works for NIH, National Institute of Health. And they've got whole studies showing how this is, this is not just a problem. This is an epidemic. You know, I mean, this needs to get treated, needs to get handled. And it's like so many state regulatory committees, they just, they don't have any clue how bad it is. And it's like, and it's the kids, it's the children, you know, I mean, talk about our future or lack thereof. I mean, it's just, it's so, it's very sad. Yeah, it it, it is sad. And and again, if, if, you know, look, we, we can, with their help, we could possibly solve some of the crime issues here. All right. right. If we just get back to some of the basics, but if you don't fix the, the if you don't fix the crime issues, how are you going to keep on fixing the rest of the problem? You know, because you have to have places to send these people, and 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 there's just not enough. There's there there's not enough proper insurance for people out there. There's not enough proper treatment facilities out there for people. You know, they don't understand, just like you said, about how opioids attach ourselves to the receptors. And 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 it takes us forever to get off of these things. It takes our brain years, four years for sleep patterns to come back, four years for a lot of things to come back. And what they and they keep talking about, oh, okay, well, we're just gonna put them in an inpatient for for uh, government inpatient for 30 days and and that'll solve it. Well, no, it doesn't. You get out in 30 days and you're still craving it. You bet. You know, you bet. Yeah. How do you recollect how long for you it took before the cravings even went away? Um, you know, it's funny. I, 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 I talk about this. Um, it was probably before the really bad cravings went away, it was somewhere between six and nine months. Yeah. Um, and it was interesting because, it, it was right around that time that a guy convinced me that me trying to run my life was like a recipe for disaster and that I needed to get some help. And maybe there was this thing, you know, called God or, you know, some pro call it higher power, whatever it is. Maybe there's this thing that can help you now, you know, when I was a kid, you know, I, I grew up Catholic and I, I was sure that like, the God that I believed in, if he was real, I wouldn't be here. I'd be like a pile of ash. There would have been so many lightning <laughs> bolts thrown on me. Or like, I'd be like, you know, he, he, there was no mercy, no forgiveness. No, it's like, no, this is like, you did this. I'm done with you. And I right. thought I had used it all up. And guy says, look, man, you just got to find something you want to like, let go of. And I'm telling you, like I said, six or nine months, it was around six months or so. I was like, all right, God, I, I'm going to give you a shot. You know, I'm not really sure that I want to like give you control, but like, whatever, I'm going to give it a shot. And it was probably about a month or six weeks, maybe after that, as I woke up one day and it hit me, God, I haven't thought about doing drugs all day today. Mm-hmm. I haven't thought about doing this in probably two or three weeks. And it, it just hit me like I hadn't thought about it. And I was thinking about it every single day right. for at least six months. And so I was like, okay, maybe there's something to this whole God thing. You know, maybe it's like, maybe there's can be part of an answer there. And, um, you know, so, but yeah, it was, it was easily six to nine months of every day. What am I going to do? What am I going to do? I got to just try, try to stay busy, you know, use some of this energy to like, right. I got back into golf and I started doing other stuff just to keep me busy because otherwise you know, the idle mind is like, I start, a guy told me once, he goes, look, man, 
For guys like you and me, nothing good ever, ever, ever happens in the isolation chamber. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you got to get out with other people because if you're alone with your own thoughts, for like when you're like newly like off the stuff, there's not a lot of positive juju going on up there. No, there's like not. <laughs> you start and you're going to feel bad enough. And then all of a sudden it's going to look attractive. It's like, I know what's going to make me feel better right now. Right. You know, yeah. so it's like, try to stay busy, get up in the morning and say, Hey, please help me. Right. And if you don't do it all day, get on your knees and say, Hey, thank you. One more day, you know? Right. Right. Cause look, when you're 19, you're like, how am I going to go the rest of my life without right. this stuff? What am I going to do when I get married? I mean, I don't have a girlfriend, you know, what am I going to do when I retire? I didn't have a job, but it's like, I go to these places thinking, what am I going to do? And it's like, right. I'm not in reality. <laughs> oh <laughs> uh, yeah the line that we, we and we do that we future trip down the line for things that we don't even know if it's going to come absolutely. we don't know if god's going to grace us with that but you know absolutely <laughs> it's, it's the funny thing but i, I want to ask you about you know because you have had such longevity are we we're coming up on 43 years uh yeah january was 42 years january because it was uh, january of 81 that's, That's great. So awesome. That's and great. I'll, I'll tell you, um, and I, I, there's a story in, in, in my book about this, about, you know, I was uh, almost 18 years off everything and, and I got divorced and it just threw such a, like, what the blank just happened. And I remember I was managing a hotel in Chicago at the time. And we just pulled off like the meeting of the century and everybody was going to the restaurant to celebrate. And you'll appreciate this being in California. There were cracking open bottles of Opus one. <laughs> okay. And then I remember sitting there, you know, my wife and my kids are now like down in North Carolina and I'm in Chicago, like all by myself for a month thinking, how did this happen to me? And I want to touch on that later, how this happened to me. And I just remember looking over at the bar thinking, you know what? F it. This just doesn't seem like a bad idea. Mm-hmm. And I had three moments of grace that night. Hmm. When I had that thought, because I hadn't had that thought, like I said, since I was probably six or nine months, like right, when right. I gave it up, I said, like, okay, he, God removed the obsession. Right. I hadn't thought about it in probably 17 years. So when that thought hit me, it's like, that doesn't sound like a bad idea. It's like, what the hell? Where did that come from? Right. And I was like, I looked at the president of our company. It's like, I can't be here. He looked at me kind of shocked, like this huge party. I was like, I got to go. And I went and I went to this church and I met this guy who wasn't even going to go to the church that night. Like he used to go all the time, but he wasn't going to go that night. But that night he said, I think I'm going to go. Yeah. And I was like, man, you know, I haven't had anything. In 18 years and 30 minutes ago, I wanted to drink so bad. And this guy hit me with a freaking sledgehammer. He goes, you know, we we stay clean for a long time. We start thinking we had something to do with it. You know, we think we take all the credit and then we stop doing all those things that helped us stay clean in the first place, like helping other people and thinking about other people. We, and we get complacent. And I was like, man. This guy was like amazing. And so that guy has now like been my spiritual director for the last 25 years, you know? Wow, so like all these little great. moments of grace, that's why the book's called grace and golf. Cause it, it started right. as a golf story, but then I realized the golf part never happens if it's not for all these different moments of grace in my life. Exactly. And when I, when I said, it's like, how did this happen to me that night? See, if you're, if you're a user of anything, you're always the last to know. It's like, <laughs> I didn't see the downward spiral that started happening like a year earlier where I stopped thinking about what I could do for my family, what I could do for other people. And I started thinking about, hey, man, what about me? What's in it for me? What's in it for me? And it's like when you live that way, it just it spirals out of control where it's like that's why. A year later, she's like, man, I didn't sign up for this detail. You're a maniac. You might be, you might be off the stop, man, but you're just not a nice person. Right. And it's like, because I had no one, you know, I had a spiritual director for 17 years and he died. 
Mm-hmm. And I didn't get another one. It's like, ah, I got this. I'm, I'm good, man. It's like, I'm, yeah, I'm good. Yeah. You know, I'm walking around in my Armani suits, you know, managing <laughs> the hotels, taking limos everywhere. It's like, I got this. And it's like, I forget. Yeah. You know, it's so easy to forget. It's like, and that's why I like people with, with money, it's hard for them to get it. It's like they could be going on a downward spiral with heroin, with, with anything. And they can just be like, hey, man, look at me. Look at my house. Look at my car. Mm-hmm. Look at this. And it's like they can't see it. It's harder versus like a guy like me, you know, you hit a bottom. It's hard to deny. It's like when you're looking up from the curb, you can't say, look at me. <laughs> uh, laying there next to a half eaten soggy sandwich, you know? Right. <laughs> uh, thank you for sharing that. Cause that's exactly what I was going to ask you is how you managed those times. Cause you know, there's a lot of perceptions that we need to break with the newcomers. It's like, Getting sober is just the first part of this thing, you know? There's going to be the ups and downs, but guess what? You work it right, you're going to be able to navigate this. Yeah, and and look, I use this analogy all the time, especially with like with with my golfer friends, because you know it's like the golf. Just I'm not I'm not classifying golfers, but like generally speaking, golfers tend to have a little bit more money, and so they can like have expensive yep. habits, right? Yep. Yep. And I always use this analogy. I say, hey, look, even Tiger Woods has a caddy, okay, <laughs> that he listens to. Now, if the greatest golfer in the world needs somebody else to like be a voice of reason, like who am I? to think I can do this by myself. It's like, mm-hmm. because you're right. You, you stop and you get off the stuff, but then life happens. And it's like, you know, I need a solution not to not just not drink or do drugs. I need a solution to live, right? to, to deal with the stuff that happens on a daily basis. You know, and the only way that I found to do that is by trying to help other people that have the same problem that I did. Because somebody took their time out to help me. And it's like, they said, look, if you do this, if you take time out of your busy, you know, executive day to help other people, God's going to take care of this stuff. It's not going to go away, but he's going to help you deal with it in a way that you can live in your own skin. And when you put your head on the pillow at night, you can be, all right, you know what? It wasn't my best day but it wasn't my worst day. It wasn't like it was before where I'm like, where was I? What did I do? Who did what I day hurt? Is it? Right. What day is it? Right. You know, and you know, like doing these things for other people. Okay. Like, and this is a true story. There's a guy that was new that like I was talking about very, very wealthy family members at like Shinnecock, National Golf Links of America, Seminole, like like five of the top 10 courses in the country, right? Right. I helped the guy out once. I don't know who he was. I just helped him out because that's what I do, right? That's what was given to me. So I try to give that away. Now, this guy has since had me to Shinnecock and National Golf Links and Seminole. I mean, it just, it worked out that way. Like these relationships and the things that I talk about in the book are, are just things that have happened because I listened to somebody yep. and I, I tried to give away what was given to me very freely. And, and it just, it, it always comes back tenfold every time. Of and when I, was, when I was new, I was like, how is that going to help me? That has nothing to do with my problem. I need a job. I need a car. I need a girlfriend. I need this stuff. If you or a loved one is struggling with addiction, please call Parents and Addicts in Need at 559-579-1551 or check us out online at painnonprofit.org. Follow us on social media at Pain Nonprofit. Please subscribe to the podcast and share with others wherever you get podcasts and on YouTube. To donate, please click the link in the description and help us save more lives gripped by addiction. But you know, Thomas, I, I, I think a lot of this, though, I think a lot of this has to do with our age. I, I truly do. We've got young people here that, and, and young people all over the country right now that I, I've, I've said this a hundred times. I wish I could just fast forward all these young people, even to the age of 50, you know, um, b- b- because as we get older and as we maintain our sobriety, 
we, we know the reasons why we're being successful because we're doing the next indicated thing. We are no longer selfish SOBs. We, 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 our, our soul has returned to us. Our brain cells have returned to us. Our compassion has returned to us. If we're doing this right, if we're following God's path, call it your higher power, call it whatever. But as long as we are following that path, the age we're at now, we, we know it took some time to get there. This young generation, they want everything now. They want it yesterday. They want it within two minutes. Okay. And, and I think that is a huge, one of the huge reasons why relapse is so prevalent today. You know, recovery rates in the United States are 7%. 7% yeah. recovery rate. That blows Right. I, I, I mean, so just like today, we, we a few minutes ago, remember, we've got a young man that came out of treatment. He's doing pretty good. He's 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 staying with us in one of our sober living homes and he doesn't want to do outpatient. I got this, he says. I, I've, I've got this. Th this kid has no clue. OK, what he's 27 years old. He has no clue what he's up against. None. They don't see. And again, that goes back to my point about people. In, in, in Sacramento. They don't understand what triggers our brains. They don't understand that a sight, a sound, a smell, a song on the radio, a car backfire in a street corner that we pass. Okay. A golf game I screwed up. All right. That could, that, that could trigger this brain into going right back to what I did and blow out of the water 23 years of, of, of good recovery work. And it can happen in an instant. You know, I Heartbeat. look, I, I work with a lot of new people, right? Because, and, and sometimes it's hard because you're like, look, now I'm 62 going on 63. Right. And they don't, they don't understand that I was 19 right. when I started doing this. Right? right. And, and, and I see them come in, go out, come in, go out. And it's like, and I see them like, I'm like, well, well, how long, how long you got? And they're like, well, I got two months this time. And I emphasize with them, what do you mean this time? Like you're assuming there's going to be a next time. Right. Like, no, this is the time. Okay. I have I have buried so many people. It's it's heartbreaking because you know, we have things and we have a way out, right? Yeah, we do. Given given a way out, the kids, man, they resist. And I'm like, don't think that there's a next time you have two months. This is the time. And it's like, when are you going to care enough about your own life? When are you going to matter enough in your own life to say, you know what? I'm going to do something different. I'm going to, I'm going to suspend my judgment. I'm going to give you whatever it is. I'm going to give you 30 days. I'm going to give you 90. I'm going to give you one year and I'm going to suspend my judgment and I'm going to take your advice and I'm going to try to do what you tell me to do. And then, you know what, if your life, if your life is worse in a year, then, you know, you can go do whatever you want to do. But if your life mm -hmm. is better, you're going to see, this is where the hope is. You know, you, you bet, but here's here. I'm going to throw another monkey wrench into this thing. <laughs> there it is, man. Let me tell you something. It is a lot of the times and we found around here, we've been doing this a long time. We've had family support meetings for 15 years and I deal with more families than I know than I, than I even want to anymore, to be honest with you. <laughs> but these family members, these moms, these dads, and I'm going to say it, they are, they are more than half the problem with their kid because they're not, they're not treating this as a family disease. They're not treating this as a, as a family issue. And when they're, when they're 21 year old who, who can't find his own, you know what yet, all right, comes up and goes, Hey, I I've got this mom. I don't need to go to an outpatient program. You know, Hey, you know what? I'm, I'm, I'm just, I'm just five days shy of, of, of completing my 30 days. Come on, mom. Can you come and get me? Okay. So, so I can get it. Sure. Son, you know, you're doing good. You're doing good. All that's bullshit. Sorry for the language, but that's all bullshit. And these parents are, they're the ones that are burying their own kids half the time. Yeah. And they just, you know what it's, and again, it goes back to the system where they yep. don't know any better because they're not educated. Correct. Because there's not enough funding, there's not enough to make sure that they're educated. Right. Because people don't see it as the problem, the epidemic right. that it is. You know, that's correct. And that is correct. And you know, and 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 you could be right. I mean, it, it could be 
somewhat generational, you know, yeah. my, my dad was not my friend. He was my right. dad. Right. He was my dad. Okay. Yeah. And you know, parents today, they want to be, want to be friends, friends with the kids. It's like, they don't want to upset them. It's like, Hey, so you know what I tell the parents, Thomas? I tell them, I go, it's fun to piss your kid off. Have some fun with it, okay? <laughs> Make it enjoyable for yourself. I See, mean, why not? The biggest misnomer is that kids hate discipline. Yeah, they may hate it, but you know what? Underneath it, they crave it. They crave having boundaries. And so they know, you know, and it's like, it's a lost art. It's, yeah, it is. Yeah. It's funny you guys bring that up. My youngest last night, I forget how it was, but goes, uh, well, you're my friend, right? And I, I go, think it to talk to my girlfriend. I go, no, I'm your father. Uh, and then it's like, well, but you're my friend, right? I'm like, yeah, we enjoy each other. And it's once again, I go, did you all of a sudden turn 18 and you're out on your own paying your own bills? And now we're getting together that it's a different camaraderie. Cause as far as they know this house, I'm your dad, I'm your father. So until those things change for, for now, I'm your father, yeah. but yes, we of course have fun together. And it, and I pretty sure is a ploy to try to get out of chores that, that, sure. that she did not. So, uh, uh yeah. Okay. okay. What are we going to do? What are we going to do? I don't know. I don't know. It gets, um, you know, it gets a little wearing um, at times. It, it, it really does trying to continue to push this message because again, because of our age and because of the time we have under our belts, you know, there's, there's just certain things we know, you know, we know what works. We definitely know what doesn't work. Right. Because because I don't know about you, but hell, I was, I was the pro, okay. At trying to prove everybody wrong in this thing. Um, and, and of course, you know, how'd that work out for my ass? You know, I mean, wound up in four different treatment centers and, you know, my whole world came crashing down. Um, but, but look, the good, on the other side of that is there are some, there are some kids out there and there are some young adults and even some older people that they are doing well. We do recover. There are people out there that do recover. We, 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 we're living that good, clean life. There's more of us out there than I think anybody realizes. But here's my thing. I truly believe that more of us need to stand up and fight this, this, this issue. Um, again, I'm going to bring up Sacramento. Nobody's asking us. Nobody's asking the people that have long-term sobriety under their belts what can, what's the answer? What's, what, what do you guys, what are your suggestions? What could you tell us that will help us do this? I'm sitting up there last week. And, and when you present a bill, you, after the bill's presented before it's voted on, you have your support in support of and opposed. And so each, you know, each group you could walk up. Uh, I'm Flint Anderson. I'm CEO of Parents and Addicts in Need. I'm in support of Bill 1507. And I walk away. Now you got the people that are oppose it. They're walking up saying, I'm Joe Blow and I oppose this bill. Every, and again, I, I know I can get in trouble for this stuff. <laughs> Everybody that walked through that line up there looked like they just opened up every prison door in the state of California. They had no respect for even the place they were in. There were people there that are getting everything paid for, for them. Some of these people had 30 days of sobriety. A couple of them had, I think one guy had three months. These guys don't know what sobriety is yet. And they're voting no on this thing. So again, my, 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 my point here is that the powers that be are not asking the right people the right questions. Well, and that's that's it exactly. You're not asking the right questions. They're it's not. like you you got thirty days. You pro you really have no business voting on anything because you just don't know. You don't know. I mean, you don't know anything. And the problem is, the problem is, you do, you don't know. And the bigger problem is you don't know that you don't know. You actually <laughs> think you know, right? right? Right. And it's like, yeah. it's like you, you just want to like shake them up and say, wait a minute, help me understand something. Why? 
Why would you vote no on this? Help me understand why you would vote no. Right. You know, and I get it. There's not a forum to really do that in that kind of structure, but it's like, it just makes you scratch your head. I mean, obviously I've been scratching it way too much, but (laughs) it's like, why would you say no? Right. To a bill like this, that's designed to help people. Right. I mean, these bills are designed to help people. Then the other side of that coin, these bills are designed to put the, put the, the criminal in jail for 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 and for the consequence that they that they just did, right? And and again, the state does not want to put anybody in jail for any reason whatsoever because they're always talking. It comes down to money, you know. And how do you sit there and slap in the face women like Pamela, our our, our office manager here, who lost her son to a fentanyl overdose? You've got these moms, these dads that are all up there that, 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 and I do believe this, there are kids out there that died from a fentanyl overdose that didn't know they were taking fentanyl, yep. just didn't know it. All right. Not, not everybody was, is that has died from a fentanyl overdose was a full fledged drug addict. Right. But how can these politicians sit there and just literally just slap these people in the face with this? It just boggles the human mind. Yeah. I, I don't know. Hey, uh, Thomas, I've been trying to get someone to write a book. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, when did you decide it was the right time? Um, you know, it's, it's a, I, I really didn't. I mean, this is how this happened. So because I've been able to maintain, you know, my sobriety and stayed off this stuff for as long as I have, I mean, I quit playing golf when I was a kid because it's just, I didn't care. I was really good at it. I mean, people are talking when I was at a young age of going pro, but like drugs became more important. I quit golf. Okay. Because doing drugs, drinking more important. And, you know, when I got sober, that's when I I picked it up again. And, um, you know, I actually went to school on a golf scholarship, but didn't really, you know, Anyway, long and short of it, in 2016, I got invited by this guy uh, to participate in the Turkish Airlines World Amateur Golf Tournament. And it was it was another moment of grace because there's no way it should have happened. I mean, I was in China. My, my father-in-law would, had just passed away. So I was in China and I flew back. And the day I flew back, I got a call from a guy at the Marriott corporate headquarters where I was working said, Hey, I got invited by Turkish airlines to play in this golf tournament. I don't golf. You want to go? And it's like, well, when is it? He said tomorrow. And if you've ever flown overseas to China, it's the exact opposite time of day. It's 12 hour time difference. So I was like, I don't know. But it was so, I was like, okay, sure. I'll, I'll go play. And I thought I'm going to go shoot a million. I don't care. I'm going right. to, well, I ended up winning the tournament <laughs> in Washington, DC. And so the guy from Turkish airlines is like, Hey, Congratulations. We're going to fly to Turkey to play against the other 99. They had 100 tournaments all over the globe. I'll be darned. And so they fly me to Turkey to play against these other 99 guys in a two-day tournament. And the winner of the Turkish Airlines tournament is going to play with Tiger Woods in the Turkish Open Pro-Amp. So I ended up winning the tournament. I beat the other 99 guys. Tiger Woods canceled. I was so pissed. I was so pissed. (laughs) Uh, I'd have been pissed too. Yeah. And, and then Rory McElroy was his replacement and he canceled. Oh, shit. Rory's my favorite golfer. So long and short of it, I ended up playing with Danny Willett who had just won the masters. Okay. Yeah. So it was very cool. And um, so I get back and my cousin, okay. I have a very unique family. My dad, his brother, their sister married my mom, her sister, their brother. So three Buckley's, Married three deep Pasquales. So we're, we're 50% Irish and 50% Sicilian, like all the way back. Wow. And my cousin, Phil Di Pasquale, he is like our family historian. He has traced our family generations like to the 1700s and can tell you who married who in Sicily and Ireland all the way back. So in probably 2018 or so, he started bothering me. He says, you know, you should write a story about this Turkish Open thing. I'm like, no, forget it. You know. I am so self-centered. The last thing I need to be doing is writing a book about me. <laughs> so, 
he bothered me. I'm, I, this is not an exaggeration. He probably bothered me for two years, like every month or so. He's like, hey, did you start writing that? I was like, no, forget it. Yeah. And finally, he's he called me out. He cur- he literally cursed me out. He goes, look at here, you mother f- blah, 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 blah. <laughs> I've been to the mountains of Sicily and the fields of Ireland. I have traced our family history back five generations. This is not like some local muni you won. You went to a different <laughs> country. You beat a hundred guys from all over the world. That's part of our family story. Sure. I'm like, all right, fine. You know, I took a couple of writing classes in college. Maybe I'll try to wing something. So I wrote 25 pages one Saturday about the Turkish Open, just the Turkish Open. All right. And my wife's best friend's daughter was the editor at the Wall Street Journal. No kidding. So I, she goes, well, you should send it to Michelle, you know, have her read it. So I sent it to Michelle. I said, would you read this? And please, I want you to be brutal because I really don't want to write this book. Okay. Pretend <laughs> it's for the paper. And I thought for sure she's going to write me back. Yeah, this is really cute, but don't quit your day job, right? (laughs) But she didn't. She goes, look, I don't know anything about golf, but this is really quite good. Like, I felt like I was with you, like in the fairway and like not all authors can do that, but I I was with you. You totally do this. And that's when it hit me one morning. I started praying. It's like, God, I don't want to write this book, but you know, if, Maybe you want it written. I'm just going to try to be surrendered, you know, again, just be surrendered. What do you want? Not what do I, what do you want? Mm-hmm. And that's when it hit me. I don't ever get to Turkey if it's not for all these moments of grace. And so that's what I want the book to be about these. Right. So these moments of grace that led me to Turkey and then this unbelievable life that I've been able to live in the last 42 years since I got off all this stuff. And all these people that I've been able to meet and these places I've been able to travel to that are all a direct result of me stopping doing that stuff and like being surrendered to a process that when I was new, I had zero interest in. It's like, don't tell me what to do. You're not the boss of me. I'm not going to do that. And it's like, finally, you know, as I mentioned, I went out three different times and this this guy got in my face one day. He's like, you know what? You're hopeless. You come around and you think you know what's going on. And you say this, and you, say, you don't help anybody. You're still all about you. When are you going to start thinking about somebody else for a change? And when he got in my grill, that's when it like hit me. It's like my way was not working. Mm-hmm. Maybe I'm going to do like this guy says, why don't you just invest a year? And if your life is worse, then go do what you want to do. And you know what? One year became two, became 42, just like, right. you know, and, and one thing I try to stress to everybody that's, that's new is like, look, this stuff that happened to me, this isn't just, this is like, I don't have like a, a reserve on God's grace. Okay. It's open. It's an open field. It's like for anybody. It's, right. I mean, you, you have the ability at 19, like me because I work with a lot of young people. You have the ability to have this life beyond your wildest dreams. You can have the most amazing adventure. You know, like I wrote a book about, okay, who, who does that? It's like, I don't say that to brag about me. I say that to brag about God. This is what God did in my life because mm-hmm. I, I try to do something different. It's like, and forget the adventure. You're going to have an adventure. I've traveled the world. You can have all this stuff, but here's, yeah. here's something even better. How'd you like to wake up one day after a period of like a month or three months or six months and not just not have to drink or use anymore? How'd you like that to happen? That sounds kind of good, doesn't it? Yeah. Okay. Better than that. How'd you like to wake up one day after a period of time and look in the mirror and actually like the person that's looking back at you? Now, how'd you like that to happen? That can happen for you if you just try to wave the white flag and give up and try something different. You know, but you, you got to try something different. Your way's not working. You got to, you got to, I forget, I forget which one of you said it earlier. It's a sweet surrender. Yeah. You know, it is. And um, I mean, it's, it's, you know, again, in, as you were talking about that, one of the things that came, I'll never forget the day I woke up and I went, oh, so that's what it's like to sleep. Yes. I mean, just, just to wake up and go, Wow. I mean, because for years, all I was doing was passing out. 
I'd wake up every two hours, take some more Vicodin, go back to sleep. You know, and again, it wasn't that good deep sleep. It was nothing. I, I, I mean, you wake up and then I'd wake up three hours later shaking and diarrhea, you know, and then start the day all over again. But right. that one morning, man, it was like, wow, what a concept. Restful sleep. Restful sleep. Not like waking up and looking for, where's my thing? Where's my bag? Where's my, where are my pills? Where's my, okay. Right. Exactly. I had those bad boys right under my mattress. Oh yeah. You go to sleep, making sure you got something on the nightstand. Absolutely. In case you wake up. Cause you know. Yep. Yeah. And that's, and that's what's so, again, I mean, how, how, how do you literally get that across to somebody? You know, it's, 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 it's hard. It's hard to get that across to somebody, mm-hmm. you know, especially when they're in the middle of it all, right? Especially when they're in the middle of it all. So again, I think a lot of, a lot of people out there, yes, they are afraid to get clean. They are, they are, they're scared shitless of it. They, they truly, I mean, I was, I, I, I was afraid of getting dope sick. I was afraid of, of, of what I had to face on a daily basis. I didn't like that guy looking back at me in the mirror. Mm-hmm. I didn't like anything about that guy in the mirror, you know, nothing. But, but as soon as I took a few, oh man, I'm good. I'm, I'm, I'm ready to go. You yeah. know, I, I mean, it's that vicious cycle and it just keeps going. And my God, it's like. Oh, hallelujah. It's over. I don't got to do that. Yeah. Crap and it's like, I tell these new guys, it's like, look guys, I know this is scary. Okay. It's, it's scary. Cause, because you don't know what's behind door number one. Right. Okay. So you can have either a, a little scary unknown or B repeatable patterns of pain. <laughs> yeah. You know, and, and invariably they're choosing repeatable patterns of pain because they're afraid. Right. right. They're afraid. It's like, I, I, I tell people, it's like, look, and I didn't know it was 7%. I was telling 10%. I say, nine out of 10 of you aren't, aren't going to stick around, you know, because as hard as it was for you to get here, it's harder to stay here. Yeah. Otherwise, people would never leave, right? Sometimes you hear that backwards, but it's like, it's harder to stay. It's like, but yet you, 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 you have to surrender your judgment. You know, yeah. you just, you got to, you got to give yourself enough time where you can see the fruit and the benefit of like, wow, like your first night of restful sleep, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, like when you yeah. wake up one day and you're just like, God, I didn't think about using all that. Wait a minute. I haven't thought about using it in two weeks. What that, where did that come from? Right. And you do the math in your head. It's like, wow, it was a struggle for six months, but now it's like, okay. I, I can I can work with this, right? Mm-hmm. I'm just going to keep doing this thing that I didn't think made any sense because now I'm starting to see this like, wow, maybe it does make a little sense because I'm not thinking about that. I'm not obsessed with like getting the next fix, right? right? Yeah. You know, one of my favorite moments was when I said no mm. and I didn't carry anything about it whatsoever. I'm like, well, I don't really care about that other person's feelings. You're going to push my boundary. I'm not here to please you. And it was like, oh, that was pretty cool. This works pretty good for me. I, I've learned the power of the two letters put together that's right. not used enough. Right. No. You know? <laughs> and it's all these wonderful gifts that will continue to come. Yeah. You know, yep. and we're present for it. I think that's the most that's awesome the most, thing. Yeah. We're, yeah, we're here. You know? We're here. We we're can here. recognize it. Yeah. Recognize it and, and appreciate it. Yeah. yeah. You know, my cousin, the same one that got me to write the book was just like mystified because I'm having another, like in the, in the book, I, I described like this month of golf that I had where I played like five of the top 10 courses in the country and five more in the top hundred. And I'm having another month like that coming up. And I'm talking to my cousin about like, how does a guy that doesn't even have a membership anywhere <laughs> get to get invited to all these places? It makes no sense. Yeah. He goes, because you know what? Because you're present with people. When you're with people, they feel like they are the most important person to you. And when they do these niceties to you, it's not like when you were like out there, like you were expecting it, like you were entitled, like they owed it to you. You genuinely show a deep appreciation for these gifts that people give you. And he goes, that's attractive to people. 
And that's why you keep getting invited to these places, you yeah. rat bastard. <laughs> uh, Thomas, if people want to get the book, uh, how they, how can they do so? It's it's on Amazon. You can just you can search Grace in Golf, Thomas Buckley, and perfect. It's there. And it, you know what? I've been told it resonates most with 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 golfers, uh, but it also I mean anyone that struggles with anything. You know, because there's there's points of redemption. And it's only 130 pages. It's a pretty quick read, even for people like, look, I'm not a big reader myself, but you know, it was an easy read. It was it flowed pretty easily. And uh, if you just go to Amazon, that's the only place it is right now. And you can get it in either a, a Kindle or, or a soft copy. And um, that's it. Perfect. Awesome. I can't believe it's been an hour, man. You guys are great. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, thank you, Mr. Anderson. Thomas, thank you so much, man. I mean, I I, I appreciate you. I, I really do. You know, that uh, what you're doing is fantastic. And, and one of these days we are going to sit and just talk some golf. All right. Because that uh, that's that's, you know, look. Like I said, I'm, I'm a 14 handicap and I love every minute of it. Okay. Every, every minute of it. Exactly. Right? I was like, oh, I don't want to play with you too, but it's like, I don't care. Do you have fun? Just have fun. Just, just have fun. I mean, that's, yeah. and, you know, and I am, you know, and speaking of grace, I, 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 I am blessed because I do have this group of, of men that we play with and belong at a local country club here. And, and these guys, yes, they're drinkers. Yes, they do all that stuff. But you know what? They've got my back six ways from Sunday on on everything. They love what I do. They love what we do here at Payne. I mean, these these guys, they, they're just the best. You know, they're, they're just yeah. the best. One day, I'd love to have you into Fresno, man. Love to come out and have you join us out at our, out at our course. That would be that would wonderful. That would be awesome. I would love you that. You got it. We will definitely set that one up. If you or a loved one is struggling with addiction, please call Parents and Addicts in Need at 559-579-1551 or check us out online at painnonprofit.org. Follow us on social media at Pain Nonprofit. Please subscribe to the podcast and share with others wherever you get podcasts and on YouTube. To donate, please click the link in the description and help us save more lives gripped by addiction.